देवी महात्म्यम एस श्रुति और रिवील्ड नॉलेज जस्ट एस द वेदास हैव नो बिगिनिंग सो इज सप्तसती कंसिडर्ड भुवनेश्वरी संहिता दो द देवी महात्म्यम कॉन्स्टिट्यूट्स चैप्टर्स एटी वन टू नाइन्टी थ्री इन द मार्खंडेय पुराना इट इज नॉट मियरली ट्रीटेड एज पार्ट ऑफ अ पुराना It has an intrinsic independent status by itself. It does not derive its significance from its Puranic background. It is a full-fledged scripture by itself, part narrative and part hymn. The Devi Mahatmyam combines the strengths of both the oral and written traditions. On one hand, it is like a synthesis of many myths from many sources, skillfully integrated into a single narrative. and thus incorporates the best of the puranic approach on the other hand it also displays the bardic style of the vedic approach that combines the best of preliterate and literate strengths of expression in so far as the hymns are concerned although the four hymns are integral to the narrative they are markedly different in quality sri bhaskaraya The most famous of all commentators affirms the hymns as being drishta seen rather than being krita made thus avoiding them the exalted status of revealed knowledge shruti generally accorded only to the veda unlike the purana that has the status of being an auxiliary limb upanga of the veda devi mahatmyam has attained the status of shruti the very status accorded to the veda the devi mahatmyam or saptasati is treated just like a vedic hymn with rishi mitta devata and vinayoga the katyayani tantra considers each verse of the devi mahatmyam as a mantra in fact there are some who affirm that every word of the text is a mantra besides the whole text is treated like one maha mantra though three fourths of the scripture deals with description of battles and their associated narratives even these contents are considered to be mantras there are 537 shloka mantras full shlokas 38 ardha shloka mantras half shlokas 66 khanda mantras part of a shloka 57 uvacha mantras and two punarutta mantras thus totaling 700 altogether the actual number of verses in the text is only 518 not 700 as stated by some modern writers the number 700 is thus not related to the number of verses but indicates the total number of mantras in the devi mahatmyam though the details of the breakup of the mantras are not important for simple recitation these details are important for chandi homa japa and archana apart from these 700 mantras there are other covert mantras within the text at times mantras are encoded into the narrative exploring the encoded mantras is beyond the scope of the present work as it is 
possible only through an exclusive commentary written with the aim of exploring the Devi Mahatmya as a great mantra maya text. The popularity of the Devi Mahatmya can be inferred from the sheer number of commentaries by several traditional scholars. There were at least 65 commentaries on the Devi Mahatmya, though all of them are not available today. The book with seven commentaries, Santanavi, Pushpanjali, Ramasrami, Nageshi, Guptavati, Durga Pratipa, Damsodhara, is quite well known and easily available. Apart from this, there are some excellent commentaries in other regional languages too. As already stated earlier, the Devi Mahatmyam interweaves four elegant hymns in between the ghastly narratives of bloodshed and slaughter. Whilst the majority of the verses in the text are in the simpler Anushtup meter, the hymns bring into play more elegant meters such as Vasanta, Vasanta Tilaka and Upajati also, also creating an elegant, complex, rhythmic sinosity when sung. The hymns are not only devotional and poetic, but also philosophical and sublime. These four hymns are so sweet, powerful and uplifting that if possible, they should be chanted in the original, even if one cannot chant the whole text. Moreover, as mantras, their power works through their vibration. One may chant at least these four hymns in order to derive immense benefit from the power of Devi Mahatmyam as a text of powerful mantras. It is for this reason that the four hymns have been appended at the end. Along with the original hymns in Sanskrit, English transliteration as well as translation has been given for the four hymns. Various levels of truth in the Devi Mahatmyam. The Devi Mahatmyam speaks to us in various ways at various levels. On the face of it, the text is a chronicle of the battle between the goddess and her divine manifestations on one side and the demons, Asuras, on the other. Each episode of Devi Mahatmyam narrates a different battle that becomes increasingly complex as the story unfolds in each episode. Like other sacred myths, this battle too does not happen on the physical earth plane. It happens on another level of reality, on another plane. The significance of the story cannot be fully appreciated by those who hold the physical plane as the only reality. Truth and reality are not necessarily synonymous. Something does not have to be real at a physical level for it to be true. Moreover, there are various levels of truth. All sacred myth has various levels of truth. First is the external cosmic level that is often symbolic of an astronomical event or cosmic phenomenon. Next is an inner psychological level that symbolizes the play of various forces within the human mind. This is the inner psychological level. The third is a transcendent level that is indescribable in ordinary everyday language. Then there is a fourth level that combines the previous three levels simultaneously 
into the paradoxical and varied nature of reality. At this level, the external, internal and transcendent levels are not mutually exclusive. They coexist simultaneously as one single mysterious and paradoxical phenomenon. Myth is a very effective ancient way of teaching. What cannot be conveyed through philosophical discussions and logical debates can be transmitted more easily through myth and metaphor. Sacred myth speaks to us in multiple ways, both rational and non-rational. Thus at one level, the Devi Mahatmyam chronicles the battle between the Devi and the Asuras. At another level, it deals with the battle of life. At yet another level, it deals with the inner battle between the divine and the demoniac forces within the human psyche, between the positive and negative. The battlegrounds represent our own human consciousness. Its events symbolize our own experiences. The demons are symbolic of the psychic forces within the shadow. They represent all the evils in the external world that have been internalized. Whatever has been internalized in turn again manifests externally in our life. The Divine Mother is our own true being, our inherent divinity and wholeness. Her clashes with the demon symbolize the outward and inward struggles we face daily. The Devi personified simultaneously as the one supreme goddess and also the many goddesses confronts the demons of Ahamkara or ego, our mistaken notion of who we are and what we identify ourselves with, of excessive tamas and rajas that in turn give birth to other demons of excessive craving, greed and anger and pride and of incessant chitta vrittis, compulsive inner thought processes bringing from past karmic residue. In the ultimate sense, the dichotomy between the bad and the good is also a false one. There is no duality. Hmm. Both are part of one single paradoxical reality. The text drives home this truth so beautifully. We will see more on this at an appropriate place. Samkhya Yoga and the Devi Mahatmya Apart from being a text of mantras, the Devi Mahatmyam is also considered to be an esoteric text on Yoga Shastra. The gunas are given as far as Sankhya Yoga is concerned. As per this view, Prakriti, which means nature, is the primal material constituent. Whilst the Devi Mahatmyam accommodates the Samkhyan view, its, its view of Prakriti is unique in that it conceptualizes the material world itself as supremely divine, identifying it with the goddess herself. In spite of certain differences, the tantric concept of Shiva and Shakti is similar to that of Purusha and Prakriti in Samkhya, or Brahman and Maya in Advaita. As per the Samkhyan view, Purusha is inert, while Prakriti is ever-changing. Prakriti 
is productive. Prasava dharmi, because of the gunas, which are the modes of being and are relatively objective, ultimate constituents of experience. Prakriti is constituted by three modes or qualities, gunas, sattva, rajas and tamas. At the level of mula prakriti, that is undifferentiated original state of prakriti, the three gunas are in equilibrium. The moment this equilibrium is disturbed, the gunas are thrown out of balance, leading to an unremitting cycle of changes or evolution. Mahat, which is the first evolute of prakriti, consists of three gunas in a constant state of disequilibrium. Sattva is characterized by brilliance, knowledge, equanimity and lightness. Rajas is characterized by movement, dynamism, ambition, attachment and reactivity or raga. Tamas is characterized by ignorance, delusion and inertia, the power of resistance. The entire manifest world is subject to the influence of three gunas. Brahma Vidya, Sri Vidya. Brahma Vidya is the knowledge of Brahman, while Sri Vidya is the knowledge of the goddess. Both are considered to be the same. But the Paramatman represented through the Pranava, Om, in Brahma Vidya, is represented by the seed sound, Hreem, in Sri Vidya. The seed, Bija, Mantra, Hreem, is called Maya Bijam or Bhuvaneshwari Bijam. Just as the tree, the flower, and the fruit emerge from the seed, so also do the three different aspects of Devi, namely Mahakali, Mahalakshmi, and Mahasaraswati emerge from the seed mantra, Hreem. Refer the chapter on Sahasranama for more on Sri Vidya. The three Gunas and the three primal goddesses. Because the Chandi integrates three major narratives in its portrayal of the glory of the goddess, the Chandi naturally falls into three paths corresponding to the three Gunas, Sattva, Rajas and Tamas. Thus the entire text of 13 chapters is grouped into three sections comprising of three major episodes, charitras, each one describing the glory of one of the three aspects of the Supreme Goddess. Three goddesses identified as Mahakali, Mahalakshmi and Mahasaraswati. Although they are represented as three distinct images, they are virtually one and worship of one form is adored as the worship of the other forms. This holds true not only for three goddesses, but also for all other forms of the goddess. The Devi Mahatmyam describes an inner pilgrimage or Tirtha Yatra. This inner pilgrimage is graduated into three major phases, though 
there are other minor milestones within these three major phases the beginning of each episode of the chandi is like a vihara or halting place where we rest and review the next part of the journey thus there are three major viharas in the inner pilgrimage where the spiritual aspirant reflects on his or her world view value system strengths and weaknesses and goals and strategies in life ideally there is a gradual transformation of outlook attitude and constitution of one's being facilitated by the insights gleaned during the inner pilgrimage with each of these points being a landmark in inner psychic topography thus the transformation of the aspirant is threefold in line with the three gunas and the challenges specific to each guna as already stated above the threefold transformation of the spiritual aspirant is presided over by three aspects of shakti mahakali mahalakshmi and mahasaraswati each presiding over a specific guna these primal manifestations of shakti should not be confused with kali lakshmi and saraswati who are deities in their own right the three primal manifestations mahakali tamas mahalakshmi rajas and mahasaraswati sattva are beyond the regular pantheon of gods and gods goddesses and represent the primordial hadi shakti in her threefold manifestation through the corresponding gunas unlike parvati lakshmi and saraswati who are the feminine counterparts of corresponding male gods shiva vishnu and brahma in other traditions whilst each god has a shakti the devi mahatmyam avoids characterizing such forms as being merely consorts for the goddess is shakti power itself beyond the realm of being a consort to anyone the benefits of reciting devi mahatmyam the greatness of devi mahatmyam is extensively explained in several texts such as rudra yamala marichikalpa meru tantra kathaka tantra chidambara rahasya etc the devi mahatmyam has the ability to grant the fruits as per the upasana the sakama upasaka one who does sadhana with a specific desire or goal in mind achieves whatever he aspires for while a nishkama upasaka one who does sadhana without any expectation or desire achieves moksha as revealed in the story surata the king was bestowed with unmixed prosperity whereas the merchant samadhi who was conferred with divine knowledge according to their own aspirations if sri chandi is pleased she confers on her devotees both earthly prosperity as well as supreme knowledge matsya purana describes recitation of chandi 3 times for cure from physical ailments 
five times for relief from malefic planets, seven times for relief from impending disaster, nine times for ensuring peace, eleven times for winning royal favors, twelve times for overpowering foes, twenty times for release from prison, thirty times for cure from cancer, a hundred times for relief from great dishonor, one thousand times to mitigate loss of wealth and for steady prosperity, etc. Now we'll move into Chandi Parayanam, Guidelines for Recitation. In Chandi Sadhana Parayana, the recital of the text is considered more important than the japa of any mantra. Though the Navakshari mantra is chanted, it is chanted as an integral part of the recital of the text. Traditionally, the entire text of 13 chapters is recited in Sanskrit. There is an obligatory prelude, Purva Bhaga, as well as postlude, Uttra Bhaga, to the central text of 13 chapters. The Navakshari Mantra is also an integral part of Chandi Parayanam. Traditionally, recitation of the Chandi is a serious and complete sadhana in itself and requires initiation from a guru. Most people are content with chanting selected shlokas of the text or chanting the Durga Sapta Shloki, seven verses which contain the essence of Chandi. Apart from a devout reading of the myth in a language that they are familiar with, chanting selected shlokas for specific results is a practice that is quite common. Swami Satchidananda, who had initiated me in Chandi Parayana, when I say me, this is the author of this text that I am merely reading, had instructed me to prescribe certain shlokas as remedies for problems. Accordingly, I have been prescribing the chanting of certain shlokas as remedies since the last 10 years or so. The recitation of the entire text of 13 chapters can be done in several ways. First, all 13 chapters continuously in one sitting in a span of three days as given below. That is basically day one, chapter one, day two, chapters two, three, four, day three, chapters five to 13. In a span of nine days, one reading of the text in three days as above, which I've previously mentioned, followed by two more repetitions in the next six days, thus completing three readings of the text in nine days, or in a span of seven days, that is, day one, chapter one, day two, chapters two and three, day three, chapter four, day four, chapter five, six, seven and eight, day five, chapters nine and ten, day six, chapter eleven, day seven, chapters twelve and thirteen. If there is no time to read all thirteen, at least Madhyama Charitra, chapters two, three, four can be recited. Any of these above methods can be adopted in reciting the Chandi. Those who are not initiated but still wish to benefit from Chandi Sadhana 
can follow the same procedure except that they may read the translated story in English or any other language as a spiritual practice. Even the myth itself is very powerful and therapeutic. Those who are not initiated can devoutly read the myth and chant the Sapta Shloki. The goddess will shower her grace on those who do this with faith. Those who wish to complete Parayana of Chandi can pray to the goddess. It is, it is only her grace that can lead them to an accomplished guru who can initiate them into full-fledged Parayana. Shri Shri Chandi should be read with firm faith, devotion and correct pronunciation. Tuesday, Friday and Saturday are auspicious weekdays for the reading of Sri Sri Chandi. The 8th day, Ashtami, 9th day, Navami and 14th day, Chaturdashi are the best lunar days for reciting the text. The 9 days of Durga Puja during autumnal equinox, Sharad Navratri and spring equinox, Vasanta Navratri are very auspicious times of the year. Those who cannot do regular Parayana can read the Chandi at least on selected auspicious weeks, lunar days or the nine nights. The traditional way of reciting Devi Mahatmyam has been given below. Obviously, those who are not initiated are not required to follow it. They may just follow the remaining guidelines except for reciting the whole text in Sanskrit. They can just read the translation of the 13 chapters without the Navakshari, Japa, Purva Bhaga and the Uttara Bhaga. The whole text has to be audibly recited. It should not be silently read. During the time of reading, one should not talk, think, sleep, sneeze, yawn or spit, but read with full concentration on Devi. One should not stop in the middle of a chapter and the book should be placed on a stand, preferably a copper plate. At the beginning and end of each chapter, bells are to be rung. Before reciting the text, it is necessary to do Sankalpa and Sri Devi Puja. The place where the text is recited becomes flooded with waves of vibration, purifying the whole place and invoking the presence of the very Devi. Though initially it is unconscious, through regular sadhana, a conscious dialogue starts between the goddess and the devotee. Her grace protects the devotee and guides him through his prarabdha, fulfilling the immediate wants in life as and when necessary, and eventually the supreme goal of life. The recitation should be in the following order. Kavacham. Argala Stotra, Kilakam, Navakshari Japam, Ratri Shuktam, Devi Mahatmyam, Navakshari Mantra Japam, Devi Suktam, Rahasya Trayam, Shama Prarthana. The order of recitation is slightly different in different traditions. Moreover, the Devi Suktam and Ratri Suktam have alternate tantric and Puranic versions apart from the Vedic Shuktas. Apart from the regular recitation of the text, there is another practice of following a fixed number of recitations by a Chandi Homam. 
Like any other ritual, this will require trained priests to conduct it. For instance, during the Sata Chandi Yagna, the first four days are devoted for 100 Chandi Parayana by 10 priests as per the following schedule, followed by Chandi Homam on the final day. Please refer to your screen to see the numbers. Oh.